the IE Business Podcast in association with PwC. Redesign your organisation. Reinvent your capabilities. Reimagine your future. Hello there and welcome to the IE Business Podcast in association with PwC. I'm Koch Cadden and joining me today is someone who has made a business out of Ireland's love for weddings. Kira Crossan set up WeddingDates.ie, a venue comparison website for couples preparing to tie the knot in 2008. Since then, it has survived a recession, the pandemic and now a cost of living crisis. The business has recently won the best hotel technology product at the Boutique Hotelier Awards 2023 in London. And Miss Crossan won the title of Most Flexible Boss in a competition by EmployFlex. Kira, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Kosh. Before we talk about the recent accolades, uh, we spoke a while ago during the pandemic, which really had an impact on wedding dates. How have you recovered since then? Looking back now, it was almost a blessing in disguise for us in a lot of ways. It was a very dark time for business owners all over the country, all over the world, and particularly in the hospitality sector where I operate and the weddings specifically were completely decimated. You know, no weddings were happening during COVID. Um, But I suppose the, the positive of it for us was that everything got really quiet. The phone stopped ringing, the email stopped coming in. There was no events or trade shows or conferences for us to go to. So it kind of gave us that downtime that we had so desperately needed to kind of really do some inward reflection and a deep dive on, you know, what are we actually doing as a business? What do our clients love about us? What do they not care about? <laughs> and where can we, you know, double down our efforts, I suppose. So it, we did a really intensive period of customer discovery and research you know we availed of you know the government schemes that allowed us to keep our staff um, employed which was amazing I have staff in the UK as well so I you know use the furlough scheme in the UK to to keep to keep my staff over there and we just went into deep um kind of building mode basically and we built out a software product that had we had kind of little elements of it before um but we really built out this software product during that time and doubled down I suppose on our focus on the technology and innovation and really looking at what value can we deliver to our customers because the market is changing all the time as we know and any business owner knows that if you rest on your laurels then things are going to stagnate and you're not going to grow um, and you're not going to stay relevant Mm -hmm. so looking back now I can say there were definite positives to it for us and because pre-covid you know, we were just running and racing and catching up, you know, keeping up with all of the events and everything, all the demands for our customers. But as I say, when it got really quiet, it just gave us that time for a bit of introspection. And we've come out a much stronger company as a result of um, the pandemic. The other big thing, of course, was the um, pivot to remote working. Pre-COVID, I had a big, huge office up at the airport business park. Everyone was in nine to half five, Monday to Friday. Like it was very, very traditional. Um, But obviously when we all um, pivoted to remote, we adapted some brilliant processes and some brilliant um, collaboration tools that enabled us to work remotely. And then once COVID was over, we kind of weren't in a rush back to the office and I was starting to hire more people. I hired two more in the UK, obviously, the UK people are always going to be remote. Um, 
And I've hired more people in Ireland as well, but we don't just have to have people that are working in Cork. So mm-hmm. I have two staff in, that are based in Dublin, three in the UK, um, and the, the rest of us are in Cork. But, you know, we're able to hybrid, go in and out of the office. So again, I suppose it's given us a lot of more agility I suppose as a business you know to be able to hire from a broader pool of people not just geographically locked um but also just flexibility um you know for the team and for myself as well as a, as a as a a mom um you know I think a lot of a lot of people have really leaned into the flexibility of the hybrid model and um I think there's a lot of positive so yeah I I look back at it and think well yeah it was a terrible shock to the system for everybody and for the business but I think we've come out stronger mm-hmm. and looking back I don't have any re- regrets about it you know mm-hmm. well your outlook there definitely um you know it shows why you won flexible boss you know it seems like you're not going back to the way things were that you definitely see a change in the workplace environment um so you're hybrid now are you mm-hmm. d- right do you think that you know, what would you say to employers that are kind of hell bent on bringing people back into the office now and um, not meeting the new demands coming from employees? I just think that it's so hard to get committed, dedicated staff. Right. And I think if you have them, you really need to hold on to them. And, um, you know, for for me, I you know, I hire the best people available to me at the time and then we invest a lot of time and obviously training them up like every business, right? But I really do believe that we're all grown adults. Like this isn't school, you know, we and I, I truly believe that most people go to work and take a job, especially when they're getting a new job. They want to do their best. People Mm -hmm. genuinely want to do their best. They want to have job satisfaction. They want to do well for themselves, for their colleagues, for the company. And I think when people are given the autonomy and the freedom, they really do step up to that. So it's something that it's been a massive evolution and learning for me because I didn't always think like this. I was a get your get your bum on your seat and don't be on Facebook. I was like quite old school, I think, before. But I've really just, it's kind of blown open my mind really about how productive people can be and how dedicated can be people can be. And I think, you know, I Wedding Dates is my company. I started it nearly 16 years ago. It's my, it was, I always say it was my first baby. You know, I care about it so much, but not even I can operate at 100% a hundred percent of the time, you know, of course, you know, I need to take breaks. I sometimes, you know, in the middle of the day, we'll go down and throw in a load of laundry or, you know, like nobody is on perfect capacity all the time. People just need that mental space. And I think when people have that flexibility and that, you know, need to not be like on in inverted commas all the time, they are then more creative, more innovative you know they step up more because they feel they're getting more freedom and trust on the other side it's all based on trust really and Mm -hmm. you know my team see how hard I work and how dedicated I am and I do have high standards and I do expect a lot of them but I also give a lot and you know expect that they will tell me if they're having a really hard day or something bad has happened at home and then we can you know 
have a little bit of compassion for each other. Um, you know, there was a particularly stressful thing that happened only the other day and I we were in a meeting and I just kind of cut across my coworker and I was like, look, I'm just going to have to shut you down there because I, I need to move on from this meeting. I've got another thing piling up. And later on in the day, I said, oh, sorry if I was a bit short with you, a bit rude with you earlier. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm stressed because she's closing on a new house. And she's like, you know, it's just that time of the year I think people can get a bit antsy. So I think if we can all show a little bit of grace and compassion to each other it's a much nicer work environment and then people really do care about their colleagues and doing their best work if they feel that their colleagues care about them yeah absolutely I think it's a great a great point to make as well that you know we are all adults in the mm-hmm. workplace you know um but just to touch back on the pandemic again um when we last spoke you said that COVID had set you back around five years in terms of clients mm-hmm. uh where's the company at now in terms of that client list has it completely recovered have you been able to rebuild We've bounced back for sure from a revenue perspective, but interestingly, our our business model changed as Mm -hmm. well during COVID because we developed this software product called WedPro. Um, So it's a whole system that supports wedding venues to manage their inquiry pipeline. So all of the, you know, dealing with all of the inquiries, the follow ups, the reporting, all of that good stuff. So first, you know, pre pre COVID, we were selling a listing on a directory website, you know, the ticket price for something like that, you know, it around the world the world you know you're only getting a, a certain you know one or two grand a year per client for something like that whereas with software you can charge mu- many multiples of that because it's delivering completely different and higher value to the clients so we haven't bounced back to the same client numbers so we have less clients but paying us more money and right. I suppose that was the goal because one of the cornerstones of our business from day one has always been exceptional customer service and a lot of my clients out there, a lot of my Cork hotels have been with me since day one, since 2008, some of them I'm sure listen to this podcast and um, you know they will know, they know me personally, they have my mobile number, you know we you develop a relationship with people over many many years and we've replicated that even in the UK as well, you know very personal business um you know we're we're always very responsive we get to know our clients you know we know that about you know when they're having a big birthday or when they're getting married themselves or when they have a kid or whatever you know we do kind of get to know them so it was very hard to deliver exceptional customer service and to know your customers really intimately when you're dealing at such high volumes people paying you you know 500 600 1000 to you know a year whereas when you have less clients paying you more money, you can deliver better to the better, you know, um, care and attention, I suppose, to them. So we now have a dedicated customer success um, specialist on the team as well. And I work really closely with her to ma- help keep in touch with the clients and um, get to know them and, uh, you know, really deliver that higher level of customer service than would maybe our competitors would deliver so um so yeah it's it's been an interesting shift we're not back at the same you know we had nearly a thousand venues on our books before covid we're not there but Mm -hmm. i don't know that we you know that wasn't the plan to just bounce straight back it's different now it's a different model exactly and it's it's interesting that you talk about the relationships that you have with the different venues because that's part of hospitality Mm. really and I know you're a tech company really but it is about building those relationships um but just you talked about growing into the UK there and I'd like to touch on that a bit more um is there much of a difference in terms of weddings in the UK than there is in Ireland there actually is, which was a bit of a revelation to me when I went over there first. So 
obviously the UK is a lot more multicultural than Ireland. So one of the big differences, I suppose, would be the large Asian weddings. There'd be a huge Asian um, population in, in the UK. So, you know, Indian and South Asian weddings are very different beasts altogether. They last num- numerous days. They might have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people you know, there's a guest list and then you know an extra 200 people show up that weren't on the guest list kind of thing it can be um you know a very different type of celebration multi-day so it takes a very specialist type of venue to be able to deliver an event on mm-hmm. an event like that and one of the interesting things that i learned when i went to the hotels in london first they have it's there's so, such big hotels obviously they have multiple different ballrooms multiple different function rooms whereas here in ireland it generally be kind of one big ballroom mm-hmm. um but also they have multiple kitchens and they have kitchens that are set up for dry hire so you the guests or the couple can hire out the function space in the hotel and actually bring in their own outside caterers which was t- a total anomaly to me that doesn't happen obviously in hotels in ireland so that was one big difference the English traditional weddings, shall we call them, um, are very similar to Irish traditional weddings, right? Except they just end a lot earlier. They kind of right. wrap up around 11 or 12, whereas the Irish wedding kind of goes till whatever o'clock in the morning. So those are kind of some of the differences, I suppose. But um, Irish people tend to spend more on their big day and kind of go all out. And, the, you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm sure, has been a guest at a wedding before, you know, the especially for the ladies, you know, the new outfit, getting the hair done, the makeup done, the eyelashes, the whatever, the nails, you know, even the guests tend to really go to quite, you know, extreme lengths, I suppose, to get really glammed up for these for these weddings. And of course, we've all, you know, put the money in the card, you know, the the kind of average for a wedding now would be, you know, for a couple as a wedding guest would be to put 200 euro, 250 euro into into the card. In the UK, it's very different. You know, they're putting in significantly less into the card, you know, 20 pounds would be acceptable in a card. Wow. In the UK, which blows people's mind. And, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be buying new outfits Obviously, now I caveat all of this by saying it it depends on whose wedding you're going to. Right. Of course, there's the there's the high end, you know, 100K weddings in these, you know, manor houses and, you know, the high society in the U- in in the UK as well. But typically, you know, they're they're spending, you know, much less. It'd, it'd probably be shy of 10, 10K maybe. Um, right. Whereas in Ireland, you'd be looking at 20 30k so it's it's just kind of a different benchmark i suppose mm-hmm. um again that's that's speaking on averages there's always going to be extremes but kind of um they would be some of the differences that i that i noticed and are you still seeing that big spending from irish people post pandemic uh, is is the big irish wedding still a thing the big irish wedding is still a thing in terms of spend maybe less so in terms of big in terms of guest numbers mm-hmm. so wedding sizes wedding part you know have definitely gotten smaller and um, people are having less guests and um, i think couples are older getting married now they're paying for the wedding themselves they don't have to um uh, if their parents aren't paying or contributing they don't necessarily have to invite all their parents friends that they might have been expected to invite mm-hmm. previously so the wedding uh, guest numbers are smaller because they I think couples know that it's such a big deal a big day they want to get around they want to talk to everybody they want to try and enjoy the day themselves that's really hard to do if you've got 200 people you know so definitely the 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 guest numbers are smaller but the couples are still spending um 
because they want it to be so memorable. And nowadays it's almost like quite competitive or within, you know, friend groups and, you know, to have this wedding that's Instagram worthy, that, you know, is Pinterest perfect, that mm-hmm. they have all the beautiful pictures. And it's not just the big day anymore. You know, there's engagement photo shoots. There's, you know, hen parties have gotten so elaborate now. Um, you know, oh, I was a maid of honor last year, I know. Okay, you know all <laughs> yeah. about it then. Um, so it's it, it's quite expensive, not just for the couple, but also for the guests and particularly the wedding party. It can really add up because it's, you know, the whole... I think there is a bit of that attitude. It's across society now since the COVID, since the the pandemic. It's almost like, you know, treat yourself. You only live once. You know, you deserve it. You know, this is a kind of a big mentality that a lot of us have now. It's kind of seeping into into culture and we all want to make the experiences so memorable. Um, So there's definitely that comes into wedding trends as well, for sure. Mm -hmm. And are you seeing that, you know, treat yourself kind of mentality, go big, um, even with the cost of living crisis? Are you seeing a a new trend emerging now among couples or are they still happy to pay for their big day? I think in general, again, I'm generalising, of course, there's always going to be people, you know, that are cutting their cloth to the measure or people deferring I think that's kind of more common they don't want to scrimp and have a smaller day so they're just putting it off mm-hmm. um but in general people are happy to pay for their you know to spend on their big day because because exactly that it's the big day right. and people generally going into it think that they're only going to do it once so it just it is that massive life milestone event and people are throwing the kitchen sink at it and that definitely I don't think has changed but it, in terms of people with the cost of living they're they're cutting cutting back on other things or they're saving for longer mm-hmm. you know um but it's still it's still a massive day um and now you know couples don't pay for your service it's the hotels it's the mm-hmm. venues that do um do you think that the rates being charged by some hotels, particularly in Ireland, is is hitting it's it's hitting the whole wedding industry really? I mean, some people have described it as gouging. What are your thoughts on it? Because it must have knock on effects to a business like yours. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's always been the a phrase of like a wedding tax, and so it, it's kind of you know you go to a bakery and you get a cake made and the price of the cake and you say it's a wedding cake and it's like you know add a zero kind of thing people have always talked about that for photographers florists cakes venues everything you know people would say there's kind of that wedding tax and I suppose you know I always kind of see it I'm in the industry but I'm one step removed right because I'm not not a couple planning their wedding and I'm not a venue or a, or a supplier I'm, I'm literally in the middle so I do bizarrely kind of see it from both sides you know when it's a wedding cake or a wedding photos or a wedding whatever it's a lot more responsibility it's Mm -hmm. a bigger deal I recently spoke to a GM a general manager of a hotel in Dublin who said that when they have the wedding cake in the hotel he can't sleep at night in case anything happens to it because uh, I don't know I don't know when it happened, but it happened in the past where a staff member actually dropped a cake the day before the wedding or something. So now he has a special fridge in the hotel that's just dedicated exclusively for the wedding cake that nobody can touch it. Um, So there is a lot of responsibility that goes along with the wedding day, but also for all businesses, our costs have gone up across the board, our energy costs, you know, for for. bakeries and cake makers like the cost of ingredients cost of butter has gone through the roof you know they 
have to make their margins and prices have to go up accordingly. I think, you know, hotels in Ireland have gotten some bad press recently, particularly around the price gouging around some big concerts. You know, I think we all heard the the media around that. Um, I think with weddings, you know, it's it's hard as well for, for the venues because they're giving um, packages and prices and the wedding actually might not be happening for a year or two years time so it's very difficult for them to you know freeze their like you know w- we don't know how what inflation is going to look like in two years time so it's kind of hard for them to predict and and you know they're being forced to commit to to um to costs or you know to to prices at that time when of the time of booking so I do see it from both sides I think you know ultimately for a couple that's planning their wedding they have to go with a venue that they love but also like a venue that they trust Mm -hmm. and I think again it's that old thing in sales people buy from people I think you know if I was planning a wedding now it wouldn't just be about the look of the of the venue for Instagram of course I would want it to be a beautiful venue but I would most importantly want the staff to be amazing Mm -hmm. for me to feel like I have some fallback if something goes wrong you know that maybe it's a family run place or you know the wedding coordinator or the banqueting manager has worked there for 10 or 20 years they're not going anywhere you know that kind of thing I'd want to feel that I was really being minded and that it wasn't just oh well Mary's taking care of you today John's taking care of you tomorrow and I wouldn't want to feel like I was just a number on some sort of you know carousel of different staff yeah I think it's really about that choosing a venue that has a great reputation um, for their for their food, for their service, but also for, you know, um, I think longevity of staff is a big thing in the in the industry. And if you can find a venue that has staff that have worked there for a long time, then you probably know it's a good place. It's a nice place to work. The owners are decent or the management is decent. And then that ripples that flows right down to how they treat you as a couple and maybe you'll have a little bit more leverage with your negotiating or you know I just think it's all about how you feel right you know we've all made big purchases and there's some purchases that we make and it doesn't matter the cost we just feel really good about it like it was the right thing to do and then there's other times we'll buy something and you kind of walk away and you're like oh did I do the right thing you know you want to avoid that Mm -hmm. when when you're buying anything to do with your wedding so I think again it comes down to trust right so you really have to trust the suppliers that you're dealing with and the venues that you're dealing with and you know there's loads of horror stories out there we've all heard them but there's doubly more amazing positive stories and we do awards every year on wedding dates and where we award venues the top rated venues in in the county and in the country and the region and the, we base our awards it's it's not a pay to play you don't have to vote nothing like that it's purely based on reviews from past couples and we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews submitted from couples that are just like blown away by the care and the treatment that they got from their venue and how special their day was etc so it's really heartwarming to see that side of it we literally yesterday just announced our award-winning venues so it was just a really it's a lovely thing to celebrate and it's a lovely thing then for the teams on property and the in the hotels and venues to get that feedback because it's a tough job it's a really tough job working in hotels or venues you're on your feet you know you're you're you could be serving breakfast then you're out at reception you could be dealing with a couple you know they they wear a lot of hats it's 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 and it's a big responsibility so I think it's really important that they they get the credit that they deserve but I think it's again it's all about that relationship in any sales transaction you want to build the relationship and build the trust so yeah 
Um, you spoke about how the business you've had the business for 16 years. That's a long, long time. Mm. Um, and you've survived many crises, a recession, a pandemic and now a cost of living crisis. What has been the biggest challenge to date for wedding dates, even if it's not any of them? That is a great question. I'm one of those people I don't look back that much. I was looking forward. Um, but I actually think one of the biggest challenges for the business was n- none of them that you mentioned, actually. It was more on the personal side. So um, I have twin boys. They are 10 now, but they were born very, very prematurely. So they were due in January of 2014 and they arrived November, the 3rd of November, 2013, um, so we literally we just had their their 10th birthday last month but oh, um, congratulations thank you but the shock of that you know being a new mom you know I had actually just moved to London to expand the business and um, discovered I was pregnant when I was in London and went for the scan and they told me it was twins I nearly fell off the chair uh, or the, the the bed whatever when you're getting scanned and then moved home just before they were born but you know having two little babies in an incubator I probably didn't even realize at the time how serious it was, you know, how how little they were, how, you know, it was touch and go. Uh, but I, I kind of never went there in my head, you know, but to see them now, they're thriving. But that was a really I was pulled out of the business. You know, I was preparing to, to leave the business in January and go and have my babies. And I was suddenly I was in work on the Friday. I moved into a new house on the Saturday and then I had the babies on the Sunday. Um, I didn't have a hospital bag packed. I was not ready. I'd literally just moved home from London a couple of weeks previous to that. So I was really ripped out of the business and there was no ha- proper handover. You know, my at that time, I was the one doing everything with the clients, you know, all the contract renewals, all all of that stuff. So I was really lucky. My team at that time really stepped up and... um. We got through it and but looking back, it was like, how, how did that even happen? They came out of the neonatal in CUMH on the 18th of December. So just in time for Christmas. And then I went back to work on the 4th of January. Wow. So it was a whirlwind. I look, I look back at it now and I think, how did that happen? How, how did I even survive that or get through that? Or, but you kind of go into this mode, I think. Um, but I think that was one of the, one of the toughest challenges because I was I was literally being torn into you know my business really needed me and I needed my business like it's my livelihood mm-hmm. um, and obviously I have a team and you know their mortgages and all of that their rent everything you feel a responsibility but obviously my my babies needed me in the neonate and I was literally being pulled in both directions so that was a huge challenge but we got through it and yeah 10 years on no looking back. I don't think many people would have still been as like their own employer basically after that like that's that's an incredible story and mm-hmm. I don't think many would share that resilience to be honest <laughs> and I think it served you well um for the next few challenges that came ahead would you say yeah I, th- I think so I think you know for any every thing that comes along and then you get through it and you you grow in confidence you grow in resilience I think resilience is a muscle right you got to exercise it and mine has been exercised quite heavily <laughs> but you know, it kind of, then when COVID happened and it was really devastating. I mean, the first two weeks of COVID, I just sat up in the spare bedroom in the new office crying every day. This is bawling crying. I thought I was going to lose the business. But then after I dried my tears and pulled myself together, it was kind of like, 
come on, we can get through this. We've been through worse. You know, it's kind of, it makes you tougher and it kind of gives you a sense of perspective about everything as well. It's like, you know, this is a business. It's a really important. It is my livelihood and I have a team and everything, but you know, it's not life and life or death. And, you know, I always say that to the gang in work when we're, when we're stressed or up against a deadline, it's like, guys, it's okay. It's a wedding business. Like we're, we're not performing open heart surgery here. Like nobody's going to die if we make a mistake. If we do make a mistake, we'll apologize. We'll fix it. We'll move on. So I think it just kind of gives, has given me a real sense of perspective and a sense of kind of calm of, you know, whatever happens, it's going to be okay. We'll get through it. And to pair it back to the beginning a little bit, have you always wanted to work in weddings or work in the wedding industry? Um, the short answer to that <laughs> is no. <laughs> um, wedding, I almost am working in weddings accidentally. I nearly, I almost just fell into it. I think I've always wanted to work for myself. I, from a young age, I kind of wanted to be my own boss. Um, and I was that type of child as well, you know, quite precocious. And, you know, I'm the eldest. I have three brothers. I'm the eldest and the only girl. So you can imagine what I was like growing up, you know, um, passing them all around the place. Um, so I knew I always wanted to work for myself. And I love the hospitality industry. Both my parents grew up in hotels. So both sets of grandparents um, owned hotels in the west of Ireland. So I always was fascinated by hotels. Um, you know, what goes on behind the scenes? You know, it's all kind of glamour and shiny out front. But like, what's the madness that's going on back of house? You know, I, I, I was always fascinated by that. Um, and I love all those hotel shows that are on TV, you know. Um, but so and then when I was kind of coming up with the idea Booking.com and Hotels.com, those third party um, online travel agent websites were just coming on stream back in kind of 2007. And so at that point, it's like, OK, you can now book a hotel bedroom online, you know, tick. That's something that has gone online. And my my degree was business information systems from UCC. So it was all around that explosion of the Internet. You know, I went to college in 2000. So it was, you know, it was all about that. Y2K. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Hotel bedrooms could be booked online, done. What's the next thing people might want to do in a hotel? I was a 25-year-old girl. A lot of my friends and colleagues were talking about weddings or getting married themselves. So I thought, oh, well, weddings are another thing people will be doing in hotels. So let's do a kind of a date availability around weddings. So wedding dates was born. And that was the very basic concept at the beginning. But it's evolved so much since then. Um, and I've learned so much about weddings in that time. Um, but I always joke I'm the worst advertisement for my own business because I'm not married myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know a lot about the industry and I love it. It's a happy industry. Um, you know, weddings are it's a really emotive big day for people and then working with hoteliers and hospitality professionals as you said earlier you get to build up great relationships with them because they're generally really nice people they're hospitable um they're up for the crack you know you know you'd go to hotelier conferences and it's a big conference and then there's a, a, a black tie dinner and then you're the crack and the banter in, at the table or at the bar. I love all that. I love the social side of the business as well. Um, so it just was a really natural fit for me. Mm -hmm. I suppose my final question then is what advice would you give to anybody starting out in their own business now, uh, whether it's in hospitality or tech or something else? Probably the biggest bit of advice. Well, there's maybe two things. First of all, I would say like ask for help. So I've always I maybe it's because I'm the eldest with three uh, eldest daughter with three siblings but I've always been really good at delegating <laughs> 
So I think it's really important to ask for help. And it has always blown me away of how, how much people will help me. Um, not just my, my I'm not just talking about my team. I'm talking about, you know, when I first started out, I would have went to hotels and asked them to do market research with me and interviews and, you know, asking advice from other business owners. People are very generous and giving of their time because I think people see the balls, if you excuse my language of what that it takes to start up a business, right? So people really admire that kind of chutzpah in other people and I think are willing then to help and support in, in any way they can. So I think asking for help is, is a big one and, and reaching out to the supports and services that are available. Um, and then the other one I think would be really kind of around the resilience that we were talking about earlier would be just to really believe in yourself and like have that really strong self-belief that like you can do it and and to believe in yourself I think is a really important thing and then surround yourself with people that are going to be your cheerleaders and that are going to believe in you because you will have down days and I've doubted myself so many times over the years but I've had my mom and my dad right next to me saying if you can't do it no one can you know they're really championing me and encouraging me and lifting me up when I've had those dark days or when I you know especially back in the early days you know I might have a really difficult sales pitch and they would say no and I'd be like mom nobody's gonna nobody's ever gonna buy this I'd be like at home like crying and I'd be like no come on you know every no is leading you to a yes you know and I think you really do need those people around you to lift you up when you are having those little speed wobbles as I call them so yeah I think that's a lovely note to leave this on so thanks so much for joining me on the podcast Kira. thanks a million cut The IE Business Podcast, in association with PwC. Redesign your organisation. Reinvent your capabilities. Reimagine your future.